Our study tonight is taken again from John's first letter. And uh, tonight we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2 uh, from verse 18 onwards. So welcome to this time of study. And I do pray that there would be some value in it uh, for you and 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 for us together as a church as we seek to honor God and, and serve Him in ways uh, that glorify Him. But let me pray for us and uh, please bow your heads as we share together in a word of prayer. Our Father, we do bow our heads before you, uh, praying as, Lord Jesus, you taught your disciples, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we do confess that uh, we are prone to wonder. Uh, we feel it, as the hymn writer says it. But we also see in the world around us uh, a rebellion and antagonism toward you and, and your ways. And so, Lord, your will is not always being done. And so we do pray that uh, this would be the outworking even of the study tonight as, as we make decisions to obey or uh, follow you and, and please you and, and, and seek, Lord, to honor you. And, and we ask uh, this as we come in the name of Jesus and also very aware of your spirit and his work in us and our need for the work of your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So follow with me in your Bible and uh, let's pick it up from verse 18. Uh, John writing, and, and remember he's an older man now, uh, writing to his uh, flock, uh, people that he really cares for. And he writes, he says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made uh, to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it, is, it has taught you, abide in him. So just so far, the reading of uh, that letter from John, and I do want to introduce the passage tonight by bringing it into the current context of uh, so-called evangelicalism. And uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, the latest happening at uh, what was then known as the emerging church. It was a, a new innovation, new insight that some people had come into and they were calling themselves the Emerging Church. And, and one of those churches known as Solomon's Porch 
they reported what was called a spiritual uh, revelation or spiritual uh, uh, revitalization. So they, they really believed that God was at work amongst them, that there was something new happening and that this was uh, the work of God and by His Spirit. And so what I did was I went onto the website and I looked at a video and I picked up some of the uh, quotes, some of the things said about that church, uh, what they were saying about themselves in the midst of this uh, spiritual revolution, the spiritual renewal that they claimed to be experienced. So listen to some of these quotes and, and, and you be discerning regarding them. We just knew that the way we had done Christianity all our lives was no longer a viable op uh, option anymore. So what had gone before, they were discarding, they were setting it aside. Another quote, the issues Jesus would deal with today would be, and they quote a number of them, uh, racism, uh, the environment, it would be globalization, and it would be feeding the masses, uh, it would be these sorts of things. In other words, the things that the Bible directly addresses, we need to move on from those things and speculate what it would be that Jesus would be dealing with today. The next quote makes it very specific in terms of where they stand. Again, I quote, I see the Bible changing. I do not see it stagnant and so for us as a community of Christians to say we need to believe this one thing and, and hold it tightly and make sure that it, it is never questioned, that is a real waste of energy with all the things we could be doing in the world. And then just the final quote, really wrapping it up and, and telling us exactly where they uh, stand and, and, and what they believe. There is no like statement of belief at this church or statement of faith. Uh, it's not like set in stone theology that everyone in this church has to adhere to. Now, do you get the feeling, do you get the, 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 the sense and the sentiment, the ethos of this particular uh, emerging, what is called an emerging local church? And I do need to say that this approach is not uh, localized. It's fairly widespread, particularly in, in the Western world. And uh, we here in South Africa are influenced by what happens in the United States. And uh, the bottom line is that this movement maintains and promotes the fact, in their view, that doctrine is divisive, that doctrine is destructive, and that it is best avoided. They don't believe they, that, that there is a need for a, a body of truth, that there, there, there ought to be a definition of the content of what the Bible uh, reveals to us. Now, it's one thing that a church makes those kinds of statements. Of greater concern is that these churches are attracting thousands upon thousands of people, and especially from the younger generation, young adults. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, is, is this a new movement of the Spirit? Is it what they say it is, that God is now doing a new thing, a, a spiritual revolution? Is this indeed what will bring about 
uh, what the Bible speaks about is the conversion of people from every nation, tribe, and language that would ultimately uh, gather at the throne of God. Or should we exert some energy, and this is the usefulness of the canon of Scripture and the Bible, the particular book before us tonight, should we exert some energy and think about what God has got to say and what God does say through his disciple, uh, John, and see if that applies, if we can make some sort of connection between what John says and what we see in this situation and other situations around us. And so I do want to begin, and my first point simply tonight is I want to speak of a timely reminder. Uh, John draws his hearers, those who are recipients of this letter, and, and he reminds them, he reminds them of that which they have heard. He reminds his readers of certain predictions that they had heard from the prophets down through the ages. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. And in verse 18, chapter 2, he says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And what we mean by that, what he means by that, this, this era from Jesus' first coming to his second coming, the Bible describes as the last hour or the last days. It is this, this final period of time uh, where God is establishing his church and God is unfolding his redemptive purposes. And, and he says to them, this is the last hour. And as you have heard, in other words, you've been told we've, we've spoken about this and, and others have spoken of this. Those who have gone before us, the prophets in the Old Testament. And what is it? That the Antichrist is coming. We too have read the Bible and have heard, we've heard many people speak and, 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 and uh, comment on the coming of the Antichrist. So let's look at some of the examples that we see uh, that, that allude to the coming of this uh, Antichrist. We have heard example from, from Daniel, the book of Daniel. And, and Daniel in his prophecy speaks about, in chapter 11, verse 31, the abomination that causes desolation. So immediately you, you get the sense that there's, there's this prophetic uh, utterance that there will be a time where something will happen which would be absolutely abominable in, in what it does in, in desecrating and, and even desolating that which is of God. Now we could say... Uh, as we move on from Daniel and the unfolding of, of history and, and, and particularly the history of, of, of Israel and, and the people of God, that this was partly fulfilled on that, uh, in that season uh, when Antiochus Epiphanes, and you can check him out on Google and see what he did, but he desecrated the temple in 168 BC. He was an abomination. Also heard from Jesus uh, speaking when he did speak about signs of the end of the age. Um, he also warned of the abomination that causes desolation. And he did this in Mark chapter 13 verse 14. Again, we can say as, as, as history unfolds, there, there's this particular event that takes place. This, this uh, terrible, terrible crisis uh, where the temple uh, was defiled, where the temple was destroyed and uh, done so by uh, the Romans under the leadership of Titus in A.D. 
70. So that again, it's an abomination. We also read, and, and no doubt we've heard of Paul's teaching, where he speaks about further outbreaks of this evil sacrilege. And he says that this would come before the end. And, and even now, as he speaks in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And you see this, this again is a picture of, of, of a rebellion against God, a, a, a denial of the reality of the commandments and the ways of God. And then we have John. John makes the point that the Antichrist is coming. As you have heard, yet he goes on to say in verse 18, even now, even now, many Antichrists have come. What's he saying to them? What is it that we need to hear? We need to take from this passage that we should never be in a place, never be at a point where we are lulled into a false sense of security, thinking that everyone and everything is and what they say, they, who they are and what they are doing, especially when it comes to matters of faith, when it comes to issues of, 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 of doctrine and, and ministry. And the point that he makes, and he repeats it again later on in this letter in chapter 4, verse 3, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. You see it, I see it, it's around us. And so he says, the Antichrist will appear, but dear children, this is the last hour. And, and, and what we need to see and, and take from John as we apply it in our own particular day is that many antichrists, that's why I used those words just now, partly fulfilled. There are those particular instances, there are those individuals that are forerunners. They too identify as those who are opposed to Christ. They are anti-Christ. They are against Jesus. Some of them come pretending even to be in the place of Jesus, but they're forerunners of one who ultimately will emerge as the Antichrist. So the point being that today, 2021, uh, we too will encounter, and perhaps as the end approaches, we could say with increasing intensity, uh, the spirit of Antichrist, the world around us, uh, the approach uh, the, the thinking, the, 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 the ideology would be that which is anti-Christ, against Jesus. You and I, and I will find more and more uh, those around us, those over us, who are fundamentally opposed to Jesus, opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are enemies of the cross. And, and we can see that. We already see that in South Africa and some of the legislation that is coming through in, in government. We see it coming through in media, uh, conversations and, and reporting. Uh, there is an antagonism towards Christ, against the teaching of Jesus, against the claims of Jesus, against the work and the person of Jesus against the righteousness, anything else that, that conforms to, to the will and to the way of God, there's a digging in of heels. And there will be those 
who will come in and proclaim another as being in the place of Christ. Uh, using the same name, but giving new defini- definition, giving new content. Some even speak, we could say, of Jesus. Some will even say they represent his cause and, and use the Christian terminology. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that they distort who he is and what he came to do and what he taught. So like those in John's day, uh, we too are surrounded, perhaps us more so, surrounded uh, with many antichrists, many people who are against Jesus. And he identifies them in this passage as human teachers. He, he speaks of those who now recently left this church that he's writing to in verse 19. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. And so these uh, men, these women, uh, whoever they were, uh, came up with this new teaching, which is, was against the revelation that the apostles had taught these people, these, these new converts, these believers, and they tried to influence the church. But when the church stood up on the truth of God, eventually these people uh, left because their point of view was not accepted. And so essentially what John is saying is, well, it, this is evidence of the true character. It's evidence of the, uh, the illegitimate standing uh, with God. And so their going showed that none of them belonged to us. In other words, they did not belong to the bride of Christ. They did not belong to the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, however, the word yet. John is making the point there is a group that remains. There's a group in the church, and, and there's a group at Central Baptist Church, the, those of us who are believers. And, and he goes on at this particular point to give clarity on, 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 on another test of faith uh, that we can have a look at. In verse 20, he uses the, uh, the words, but you. They left us, they were with us, but they've gone from us. But you. And so that moves us to our second point uh, this evening. And I want to speak about what I want to call a telling test. There's something observable that distinguishes the true believer from those who are deceived and also those who are deceivers. There is, says John, something significant, very significant, we're going to touch on tonight that will separate the sheep from the goats or the tares from the wheat. And so to encourage true believers, he identifies, and in the series that we've been doing, we've been speaking of different tests of faith, he identifies a third test of true faith. And so we want to consider this third test tonight. Uh, We had already in past weeks considered uh, another two tests. Uh, The first, remember, we had a look at what uh, John described as... uh, Moral obedience. So anyone who is a believer, claims to know God, needs to uh, obey God. And we we saw that in summary in 1 John chapter 2 verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. We know him, we follow him. We know him, we submit to him. 
we love him and we do what pleases him. So in other words, there is this test of faith, checking to see, having a look at your lifestyle, me looking at my lifestyle and see does this line up in some measure with what pleases God? Does it line up with the walk of Jesus? There was a second test, and this one becomes more specific, not just the many commands, but it speaks uh, of the assessment that we need to do when it comes to relationships. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light, in other words, anyone claims to know God, claims to be a believer, but hates his brother, is still in the darkness. So there we are. You can't be saying you're in the light. You can't profess you are a believer if you are not, or if you're hating and despising uh, another brother. Claiming to know God and hating another believer exposes a non-existent faith. But now, having exposed those who are opposed to or in the place of Christ, because now we're speaking of the Antichrist, John now goes on to speak about that, which is, what is it that is conspicuous about this group, about these people, and, 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 and how that compares to that which is conspicuous in the true believer. Verse 20. So he speaks here, he says here, but you, but you, this is the believer, this is the, the true follower, the one who knows God, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. So he's contrasting those who are true believers and those who are not true believers, uh, those who are set apart from those who are antichrist. And there are two points, two issues that he highlights over here. Those who are true believers have been anointed by God. And I'm going to elaborate on that in a minute. And secondly, they know the truth. There's a body of truth. There's, there's content. There's, there's doctrine. And again, we're going to elaborate on that. So the effect of the wording that John uses over here, uh, he writes as those who have the anointing. And, and in the original language, in the Greek, he speaks of them being Christ's little C. In other words, not antichrist. The point he's making that these are with Christ. These are for Christ. Uh, these are in support of Christ. These are those who are in submission to Christ. And so we know, we know that the word Christ uh, can also be understood to be Messiah. It can also be understood to be the anointed one. And we know uh, uh, as opposed to the, the false Christs who have left their number, uh, when, when the Messiah came, he was anointed by, we know, by the Spirit when he was baptized, when the Spirit descended on him. And, and we have the voice of the Father. This is, uh, my, this is my beloved Son in, in whom I'm well pleased. So the anointing of the believer, this is what you as a believer, as a true believer, can, can, can uh, uh, look at and, and see, uh, have you received from God uh, and experienced the work of the Spirit. And, and primarily we're speaking about conversion, that immersion into the body of Christ, the anointing uh, uh, of, uh, of you by the Spirit. And He's the Spirit of truth. And so when we receive the Spirit, when the Spirit of God has been at work in us and continues to dwell within us, it follows that we will have an inclination and desire for the truth 
of God because he is the spirit of truth. And so true Christians know and, and, and desire and, and, and grow in uh, the, the, the fact of absolute truth that God reveals in his word. Now, you see, if you go back to the beginning where I started, they, 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 they were wanting to say, man, truth doesn't matter. It's, it, it's this, it's that, it can be this, it can be anything, and we're just going to be uh, all over the place because that's not important. Well, that's their view, but it's an antichrist view. It, it's not the view of, of true believers. True Christians know the truth and are convinced about and stand on the truth about Jesus. See, whatever other doubts we may have, we cannot, we must not, and let me rather put that positively, whatever doubts we have, those of us who are true believers have a, a certainty, a, a confidence. Uh, we are convinced about the historicity of Jesus, the historical truth of Jesus. So let's have a look at verse 21. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. And, and we, we, we are getting into this topic. And uh, uh, those who know God, he says here, affirm the truth about Jesus. There's no distortion. Uh, there's no dilution. There's no changing uh, in, in the, the truth of, of who Jesus is, the life and the work of Jesus. And, and we do see in this book that John writes that the terrible heresy, and this is my next point that I want to look at, the terrible heresy is that those that left, and there are many today who turn their back on who Jesus is. And, and even to give you an indication of this in, uh, a little later in the book in chapter 4, uh, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then he says in verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. There's no possibility for the true believer to deny the reality that Jesus has come in the flesh. And so even when we, we speak of a confession that Jesus is the Christ, this is not just... Uh, a mouthing of words. It's not just me acknowledging in, 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 in some kind of uh, 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 formal way my, my agreement with the statement of faith. But it, it, it has content. When we speak of, of Jesus is the Christ, there's, there's content. Well, well, who is he? Uh, wh what did he do? What did, what did he accomplish? And, and what was his life like? See, the difficulty with those who left the church back in this uh, first century that John writes to is they made Jesus out to be a mere man. That's what they did. He be they believed that he was just a mere man invested for a particular season, for a brief time, uh, given divine powers for public ministry. And the problem, the real problem, was that they denied the miracle of the Incarnation. They denied the reality of the virgin birth, that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so John asks in verse 22, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. 
Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. And so, so when, we, when we come uh, to, to speak about the person and the work of Jesus, this is a primary issue. There can be no compromise. There can be no latitude on, on who he is. As, as the one who was conceived of the Spirit, as we're told in the Bible, that he was born of a virgin, that he was fully God, and that he was fully man. And so this third test of faith, it's a doctrinal test, and it's an easy test for you to ask yourself some questions. Uh, do you believe in the virgin birth? That, that God intervened in bringing about, as, as Jesus in the second person of the, of the Trinity, uh, takes on human flesh. And, and so we uh, are those who believe in the deity, the, the humanity of Jesus, and also the divinity of Jesus, fully man and, and fully God, the, the eternal nature of the Son. And, and very importantly, because he was born of a virgin, because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, unlike the rest of us, he was perfect. No sinful nature. Ultimately, because of his sinless perfection, he is able to be that sufficient sacrifice in bringing about what we call substitutionary atonement. All of these truths connected to this very vital, important, fundamental truth, Jesus conceived of the Holy Spirit. So when we tamper with the incarnation, the reality is other vital doctrines are invalidated. In other words, it's not Christianity. It's not good news. There's no gospel. There's no gospel in that. I find it interesting today, those who deny uh, the, the miraculous regarding Jesus, whether it be his uh, uh, conception of the Holy Spirit or uh, the virgin birth or, or his sinless perfection and even his atoning death in penal substitutionary atonement, they, they have adopted a phrase, they speak of the Christ of faith. So whoever you make him out to be, as long as you have faith, they say, well, that's legitimate. They don't like to speak. They don't speak. They don't accept the notion, the truth of these, the, the historical Jesus. And so, do you see the subtle error? We can speak of Jesus. We can use the name Jesus. But we must be concerned about what content is given uh, to who we understand Jesus is and what he has done. And so the point really tonight is doctrine is essential. Everybody actually has doctrine. Uh, it, it, it's just that they may not conform to that which is biblical doctrine. But people have a theology. People believe something. And, and, and even an atheist believes something. But do we believe that which is revealed in the scripture? That which is attested, which attests to the historical uh, fact of Jesus' life? So John Calvin makes a point. He says, it is not enough to confess in one word that Jesus is the Christ, but he must be acknowledged to be such as the Father offers him to us in the gospel. In other words, look at all of the Bible. Look at the gospel. Look at the New Testament scriptures. And, 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 and then we can understand as we, we compile uh, the, 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 the different uh, 
facts given to us about Jesus. To deny Christ is a terrible heresy and it has terrible consequences. Verse 23, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Don't know God. When, when, when you tamper with who Jesus is and what he's done, you can't be in a relationship with God. You don't know him. To deny the Son is to deny the Father. To deny Jesus is to deny the Father. And so John now goes on and he's, he helps us in this passage to say, well, how do you protect yourself against this heresy? And I go on and I'll just call this a tactical defense. Two main weapons that he speaks of here that we know of, uh, defense that we can guard against the lies that pop up and will pop up and do pop up all around us. And in verse 24 and 25, see that you see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If he does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. Now, don't forget, don't forget that what they had heard from the beginning was the gospel preached to them by the apostles. And the apostles had the authority that Jesus passed on to them. They, they were the ear witnesses and the eyewitnesses. And so what they taught to these early believers was the truth. And so the point he's making, if we, if we now look back from our vantage point, is that which he taught to them, that which the apostles knew was recorded by them for us in the Bible. So, for example, 1 John, we, we have a record here of, of, of John's commentary to them because he had been one who had walked with Jesus. He was one who witnessed uh, what Jesus did and, and, and said. So, what you've heard from the beginning... We too, what have we heard from the scriptures? Never mind some big guru who claims to know it all or has discovered something new or he has a big church somewhere. Quite frankly, it, it doesn't matter. We, what does matter is do we adhere to that which we have been given, that which we have heard from the scriptures that have been preserved, the gospel, this apostolic teaching, and, and therefore, from our point of view, the canon of Scripture, this is a, a, a means of defense. We can use it as, as even described for us as a sword of the Spirit. The other gift that God has given uh, to us is the Holy Spirit. So just these two, the Word of God and then also the Holy Spirit. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you... The anointing you received from him, the work of the Spirit in you, remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. And so therefore he will never deviate, he will never contradict, he won't go against uh, that which was... Uh, given by him um, through various servants. All scripture is God-breathed. And so through the indwelling spirit, we have the means of understanding and, and having access to this truth of God so that we can stand against heresies, that we can stand against those who are opposed 
to Jesus, those who even claim to be in the place of Jesus. So just in conclusion, a couple of uh, comments I want to make. There is definitely a warning in this passage. Uh, We live in a world where there are those who are opposed to God. Uh, It's nothing new. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. John is getting very specific over here. Uh, Be careful. New movements, novel movements, new ideas, new ideologies, be discerning, be discerning. Any movement cannot be said to be from God simply because it's popular or because it attracts many people. Remember what you've heard. Uh, Refer to the scriptures, study the scriptures, glean from the scriptures, particularly when it comes to the person and the work of God. Of Jesus and take heed of the warning. Uh, people will definitely gather around them. Speakers will gather around them. Uh, those who uh, uh, will want to um, have the ears, uh, the itchy ears, tickled. But there's also a challenger that we be discerning about doctrine and and also to take on the challenge of of growing in our understanding. Of the teaching given in the Bible, studying the scriptures, uh, studying the scriptures in the context, depending on the work of the Spirit. And then just finally a question, uh, do you believe with all your heart, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, that he lived the sinless life, that he died for your sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Very important question. Do you believe that with your heart and your mind and your soul? And if so, to be encouraged, be encouraged tonight uh, that there's a true work of grace at work within you. And so God bless you, God be with you, and and may his word continue to uh, be with us. And so Lord, I pray that uh, you would give us the inclination of heart uh, to want to grow in our understanding of uh, who you are and also what you have accomplished. Uh, We thank you for uh, Jesus and all that has been done and accomplished and all that has been revealed regarding uh, history past and even as we approach this Christmas time that we would not forget that wonderful miracle of Uh, the virgin birth and all the uh, consequences that followed on from there and so we commend each other to you encourage us in our walk with you we pray in jesus name amen so just a final comment and that's the uh, screen of questions Uh, if you are in a situation where you're able to do some uh, have some discussion as an opportunity some questions i just put together you can take a, a photograph with your phone And uh, uh, perhaps that will also help you review uh, some of the uh, study, the passage that we considered uh, today. So God bless you, be with you, and uh, uh, look forward to being together on the Lord's Day. Amen.